And thanks for joining the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast, where we discuss God, the Bible, and God's purpose for your life. Be inspired and encouraged to engage in transforming the world around you. some capacity. We're pastors, we're leaders, we're overseers, we have people who God has called us to lead. And the one word I think of when I think of leadership, I think of the word influence, that it doesn't matter how big our ministry or any of that is, we're all leaders because we all have somebody that's looking up to us. We all have somebody that's following us, whether we're a parent uh, minister, pastor, whatever, somebody's looking up to us. And when you think about leadership, if you were to do a search on the internet, you'd find all kinds of books and things, articles about leadership. But the truth is leaders are not born, leaders are made. Some of us have been given, according to Romans 12, the gift of leadership, but <clears throat> we all are continuing to grow in our leadership. So regardless of where we are in our, our walk or our ministry, we're always growing in our leadership. And I think two things make great leaders, right choices in the right, in the right circumstances equals a great leader. And so Jesus said this, you guys are familiar with this passage, but what a incredible passage about influence as a leader. He said, you're the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's influence. To be salt and to be light is leadership influence. To be salt back in the time of the Bible, the ancient times, was a very valuable commodity. They would use salt for, for trading, for making covenants. Salt today, if we think about it as a preservative, it's a flavor enhancer. It's, it's a healing agent. Still has its, its importance. So when Jesus was trying to let, let his disciples know they were the salt of the earth, he was, he was raising them up. And he said, you're the light of the world. We know we live in a dark world. People are hurting. People need light. They don't need a spotlight. They need a light that would lead them in the path unto the way of, of Jesus. So when we think about influence, we think about Jesus. He's the perfect leader. Jesus never calls us to do anything that he didn't do himself or that he wasn't willing to do himself. That's a good leader. A good leader is always going to lead the way when it comes to, to influence. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, the most important one of you should be like the least important. Your leader should be like a servant. So when we're leaders, pastors, overseers, our job, our calling is really 
we're lead servants. We are to, to serve. And that leadership influence begins and ends with, with serving. And so what I want to talk about for the next minutes that we have together is how do we influence like Jesus influenced? The greatest influencer ever is Jesus. And when you read throughout the Gospels, we see how Jesus led and how he influenced. So I have a couple things I wanted to share with you. First of all, and this I'm preaching, teaching myself and reminding that of what it means to influence like Jesus. And the first thing to be a, a good leader that has influence is I need to be an example to follow. Be an example to follow. I love what Jesus said in John 13, 15. He said, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And the context of that was Jesus had just washed the feet of his disciples. He took the role of a servant. Each house in the time of, of, of Jesus would have, had, would have had a servant and that servant would wash feet. And, and if you think about the, the mode of travel would have been sandals on a dirt road with animal waste and all kinds of things. So to have clean feet would have been important. Jesus took the role of a servant. What an example, he said. He said, as I've loved you, I want you to love one another in serving one another. You think of the apostle Paul. He said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, follow my example as I follow Christ. That's a big statement. Follow me as I follow Christ. Now, people don't follow titles. We can have a title of pastor, leader, overseer, but pe people follow people who truly follow Christ when it comes to his, his church. So to influence like Jesus means that we're, we're staying close to him, that we're, we're following him. He gets to call the, the shots in our life. He gets to lead the way. Not that any of us are going to do that perfectly, but that we follow his example, follow, you know, when we talk about following leaders, it's, we don't follow them just because they have a title. We follow somebody because they're truly a follower of Jesus. Paul told Timothy, he said his, Timothy was his young protege, right? Um, he said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Timothy was young and in, in a very influential role. Many church scholars and historians think that when he pastored the church in Ephesus, that there might've been 40,000 people. That's a huge church. That's truly a, a, a large mega church right there. So when we're gonna lead, if we're gonna lead right, we gotta live right. We have to have our lives line up with what we say we believe. And again, I don't mean that in any way to say somehow we're perfect because we're, we're never going to be perfect in this life, but we're pursuing the one who is perfect. And I think as leaders, it's a good thing to ask, you know, am I somebody that others would want to, to emulate in our life? that we're headed in the direction of Jesus always. That's what following Jesus is about. So the, the first 
choice in being a influential leader in his kingdom is be an example to follow. And then secondly, I think we need to be an exhorter, someone who exhorts people. We challenge people to do to do great things for Jesus, to, to step it up a little bit. Great leaders challenge people to see beyond themselves. We all need people in our lives that push us, that, that teach us, that coach us. Pastor Russ was such an exhorter in my life. He always would send me little notes or give me a call or exhort me. I mean, it just, it was, I miss that deeply. It's a, there's a void in my life without that. But we now get to be that for other people, that role that he played in our life. We're going to be that for others. But Jesus was always challenging people to greater things. You know, he, he, he gave such a challenge to people to not waste their life, to not waste their life on things that really aren't going to matter in, in the end. And there was three things I wrote down that Jesus challenged people in a lot. Number one, he challenged people's priorities. He always challenged our priorities. If you think of the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus and he said, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he, uh, Jesus said, you know, the commandments, love, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor. And he said, well, I've done that. Is there anything else I'm lacking? Jesus, knowing everything, he said, hey, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And we know the story that the rich young ruler walked away sad because he was a very, very wealthy man. And I think to have a modern context of that, if you have to think of somebody like Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, or some wealthy, wealthy Fortune 500 CEO, you know, <laughs> This guy's coming to Jesus, the rich young ruler, and he's saying, how do I know my life counts? How do I know that I'm right with God? Jesus says, give up what you thought your life was about and follow me. I don't think Jesus tells everybody that's wealthy that they're supposed to, to do that. I don't think that's the point of what Jesus was saying. He was just saying, I need to be the priority of your life. He's challenging that man's particular you know, his priorities. And I think for us, let's let Jesus through us exhort people to make the kingdom of God our highest priority, always. And secondly, Jesus always challenged faith. He challenged people's faith. Think about what he told his disciples when he sent out the seven, the disciples in the 70 in Matthew 10. He said, go announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with lep leprosy and cast out demons. Give freely as you have received. Jesus asked them to do something that was impossible, impossible without faith. He stretched their faith. He challenged them to do something that would only happen if they had 100% dependence upon his power in them. So let's exhort people that, that we lead to walk in faith and to have the, the right priorities in their life. And then Jesus challenged small thinking. He exhorted people to, to, to move away from small thinking to 
having a greater vision for what he could do in their life. Think about the very last verses in the end of Matthew 28, when just before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he told the disciples something we all are familiar with this commission. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He challenged them to a greater vision. He took 12 men and turned the world upside down. 12 men who, they didn't even get it. Even in the, at the end of Matthew, they're still wondering. It says some of them doubted about Jesus. And yet Jesus knew he was taking these ragtag 12 guys. And he was going to change the whole world. They all struggled with, you know, they, they, you see it throughout the Gospels where the disciples, they thought Jesus was going to be like the new David, a military leader. He was going to raise Israel back up to this prominent nation that it had under the, you know, the leadership of David and so forth. And yet that's not what Jesus had in mind. He was going to usher in his spiritual kingdom. And he challenged them to think bigger beyond just making Israel something, you know, great again. Think beyond that. He challenged them. And that's what we need to do as leaders is challenge your people to, to think bigger. Jesus is always challenging you and I to a, a greater vision for our lives. Some of you have incredible callings on your life. Some of you are right now, you're in the middle of ministry and being in people's lives and, and seeing lives change. You need to have for yourself a greater vision for what Jesus has for you. And you can pass that on to other people. He wants us to help others. Every person you come in contact with, every person you come in contact with is hungry for a greater vision for their life. They are. And God wants you to call that out of them, exhort them to have a big, bigger vision for their life. And then third thing that how we can influence like Jesus and when we look at his life, the greatest leader ever is we need to be an encourager. Encouragement is so needed, right? I need encouragement every day. You need encouragement to, to stay the course. When in Matthew 16, Jesus takes his disciples to the base of Mount Hermon, in Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16. I got to go to Israel a couple years ago and I learned a lot about the place where, where Jesus took them in Caesarea Philippi. In the Old Testament, it was Mount, uh, it was Bashan, Mount Bashan. And that was the place where all kinds of idolatry and evil and worship of false gods took place in Caesarea Philippi. If you go there today, you can still see some of the remnants of the places of worship. There's like little pools that they literally thought that the pool was the pathway into Hades, into the abode of the dead. And so Jesus takes his disciples and he asked them the question. He said, 
He said, who do the people say I am? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, a prophet, Jeremiah. Then he turns it on them and he says, who do you say I am? This is picture where this is happening (laughs) with all this pagan idolatry worship going around. He says, who do you say I am? Peter answered, he said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not stand against it. The place in Caesarea Philippi and today that you can still go to is called the gates of hell. It's a literal place that they called it the gates of hell where all this evil worship stuff happened. And right in the middle of this, Jesus is is giving the revelation to Peter that he's the Christ, he's the Messiah. And he's putting the spiritual world uh, you know, on record, I'm here and I've come to do what my father has, has called me to do. And when Peter gets this revelation, he changes his name from Simon to Peter, to the rock. We're not talking a little pebble. He's the, the emphasis in the Greek is that like the rock of Gibraltar, you are immovable. You're Peter. We all know Peter failed. We all know Peter ended up denying Jesus three times that he, he even ran away from a little girl in fear the night of, of Jesus's betrayal. And yet Jesus was exhorting him and talking to him ahead of time. <laughs> this is who you're going to be after you fail. I love that. So I think there's a couple things when it comes to being an encourager to be like Jesus is to see potential in others around you. We got to see potential in people around us. Um, Some of you may or may not know Dustin Campbell. Um, He was heavily influenced by Pastor Russ. We went to Bible college together at Rocky Mountain Bible Institute. And I remember showing up in this little 18-year-old kid who was, he didn't know anything about anything. And he was seemed to be a least likely candidate for ministry. And yet he stayed faithful. He was teachable. Pastor Russ poured into him, encouraged him. And he's gone on to do missions in the Philippines and lead through youth with a mission and just solid, solid guy in in the kingdom of God. So we got to see potential in others. The other thing is we need to treat people the way we want them to become instead of maybe how they are at the time. You may have people around you that it's hard to see the potential in them. Treat people just the way Jesus did. He treated Peter, even though Peter was going to fail and be fearful. He spoke life into him by calling him Peter and changing his name. I think what I'm trying to say is let's let's affirm the potential in people rather than the negative that we can often see. And then correct, when you have to correct somebody, somebody that's under you, correct without condemning. I think that's a good way to be an encourager. Parents, we always have to do that to our kids. We affirm the person, we correct the behavior. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church at Corinth in his first letter 
to the Corinthians. You know, they were doing some crazy stuff. They were getting drunk at communion. And one guy was sleeping with his, his mother-in-law and all kinds of the, the fights, infighting that was happening. And before he corrects their behavior, the first chapter is all about who they are in Christ, who they were because of the grace that they had in Christ. I think that's important that we do that in our lives. A guy named Ken Blanchard said, catch people doing something right. Often we catch people doing something wrong and we have to correct their behavior. Let's catch people doing good, affirm people. We need to do that regularly, specific, and maybe sometimes a little handwritten note. Hey, I appreciate the hard work that you're doing. I appreciate uh, who you are as a person. Pastor Russ always sent handwritten notes. He would send them in the mail or he would leave one at church for me. And it it meant the world to me. And then fourthly, if we're going to be an influence like Jesus, we need to be an equipper. We need to equip others. We forget as church leaders, I know at least in the West and in America, Ephesians 4 tells us that God called the fivefold ministry, you know, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, to equip the saints, to equip people for the work of the ministry. Often in the church, pastors do everything. And that's the wrong way, according to Ephesians. We're, our job is to help others do the work of the ministry, to equip others. Jesus modeled ministry to his disciples before he sent them out. Think about it. He spent three years showing them how to do ministry, how to love like him, how to teach in the things that that he had for them. Equipping is an investment of time. I would challenge all of us that if do we have in, in our lives, we all need we all need a Paul, someone who is pouring into us. We all need a Barnabas who is we're doing ministry with to encourage us. But we all need a Timothy or Timothy's like Paul, where he poured into Timothy and he equipped him to do the, the work of the ministry. Some think Timothy was like 18 years old when Paul saw the potential in him. We read in the book of Acts, and he called him to do ministry with him. Um, More is caught than taught when it comes to learning. We can teach, we can talk, but people are watching our lives. They're watching how we do things. And the more people get to be around you, then they're going to catch what you have be able to, you're imparting that to them without even having to do anything, just by simply having people be with you. And then Jesus, in being an equipper, he trusted his disciples with responsibility. I don't know about you, but that's hard sometimes to do, to trust somebody else to do things that you feel maybe you're good at, or can people do, do whatever task as well as you. Jesus told the disciples, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever doors you lock on earth shall be locked in heaven and whatever doors you open on earth will be open in heaven. I give you the keys to the kingdom. Think about that. He was entrusting 
to these 12 guys the furtherance of his, his kingdom. Did Jesus know that the disciples were going to make mistakes? Did he know they were going to fail? Of course he did. And the people that we lead, that we're equipping, we need to give them room to make mistakes. I know people have done that for me, given me enough rope to make some mistakes. Not that I would blow everything up, but that I would have opportunities to grow. Because I think we learn more from our mistakes than we do from our success. Probably most of us have realized that. Our tendency is to try to protect people from making mistakes, but making mistakes is actually one of the best ways that, that, that we, we actually grow. I read a survey of grandparents recently, and they said if they had to do their parenting over again, that they would have done less for their child, children and allow them to learn to do more for themselves. And I think that's true when it comes to ministry as well. Fifth thing, when it comes to influencing like Jesus, the people that you oversee, the people that you're leading, be an equal. Be an equal. Just because we're a leader does not put us higher than somebody else. We're all equals in Christ. We're all equals because of who he is. We might have different callings, different giftings. But be equals. Think about what Jesus said. He told his disciples in John 15, he said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father. I've made known to you. Wow. Here is the leader of leaders, the king of kings, and he tells his disciples, I'm not calling you servants anymore. I call you friends. Now, obviously, they weren't equal to Jesus. We're not equal to Jesus. But in his perspective, in the way he treated the disciples was, hey, I'm with you. You're with me. And I think real leaders, when it comes to our influence, we don't have to act like a superior. You don't have to be bossy to be a boss. We don't, we, we don't have, because we're, we're leaders does not mean we get better treatment, <laughs> It means that we actually are taking more of a role of a servant than anybody else. We're lead servants. Paul said, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than ourselves. Humility is the great equalizer. When we walk in humility, not thinking more of ourselves or, or being worried about how do people perceive us as leaders? Are they going to think I'm a great leader, teacher, pastor? None of that. That's, that's the enemy trying to lie to us. When the Holy Spirit is saying, walk in humility. Walk in your identity in Christ. Walk in true self-esteem that comes from, not from people or from our calling, but true self-esteem and identity comes from who we are in Jesus, that's when we're ready to lead. When you and I need people to make us feel good about ourselves or superior or that we're good leaders, we're, we're, we're not going to get too far there. But when we don't need people, we're actually free to love and serve people. 
which is a beautiful place to ultimately be. Um, God does his best work through those who don't care who gets the credit. I'll say that again. God does his best work through people who don't care who gets the credit. Andrew Murray was a pastor, author in the early 1900s. He wrote a little book called Humility. It's free on the internet if you want to check that out. Humility by Andrew Murray. One of the best little short books that will change your life, truly change your life. And he talks a lot about what humility really is when it comes to our relationship with God and our relationship with people. He said, he said, the humble man can praise God when others are preferred and blessed before him. He can bear to hear others praised and himself forgotten. Humble man can praise God when others are preferred and blessed before him. He can bear to hear others praised and himself forgotten. What we do in ministry is often a pretty thankless deal. It really is. When you're leading a church or, or a ministry, we can feel forgotten. We can feel like people don't really understand the burden that we bear. You know, we know pain and problems in people's life. And often people don't realize in our calling as pastors and leaders what, what really the burdens that we bear. But at the end of the day, the Lord knows, and he's our, he's our strength. So if you're going to be a good influence on people, be an equal. And then the last thing I would say is this, to be a good influence on people as a leader is be enduring in prayer. We need to endure in, in prayer. Jesus prayed. He prayed for his disciples. And we know that the power of prayer is very influential. I thought of Jesus and Peter. After, you know, Peter is talking a big thing about how he would go to death for Jesus. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. He said, but I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. He said that in Luke 22. Jesus is like, I'm ready. And Peter's like, I'm ready to die for you. And yet, right after that, Peter disowns Jesus three times. I bet it encouraged Peter to think about Jesus's words that he was praying for them. I mean, know Jesus's prayers get answered. <laughs> and Peter was prayed for by Jesus. In John 17, Chapter uh, John 17, verse 20, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he's praying that they would be strong in the gospel, to be strong in the kingdom. But then he says this, he says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus was praying for you and me. Long ago, 2000 years ago, he was praying for you and I, not just his disciples. And he's praying for us, interceding for us now, that we would walk his walk, that we would lead and influence people for the kingdom. We have his power in us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. 
the greatest influencer there is, is the, the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in, in us. So I think a commitment to influencing like Jesus is so important for us this morning. That's what I felt like the Lord wanted to, to give to us this morning was a desire to be a good influence but do it the right way in a Jesus model. So um, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, each person on this call has a desire to see your kingdom flourish where you've put us in the world. So I pray for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, a fresh filling of your spirit. Lord, that we would take these principles, we take these truths of how Jesus influenced, and they would be true in our lives, in our leadership, in our churches, our ministries, and what you call us to do, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining Joshua Nations on this episode of the Inheritance Podcast. For more information about the ministry of Joshua Nations, please go to www.joshuanations.org. To join our prayer movement, please go to prayer.joshuanations.org. We hope you will join us for the next episode of the Joshua Nations Inheritance Podcast. May God bless you.